You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. You're listening to the Pull Box Podcast. The International Graphic Novel Book Club. Here are your hosts, Curtis Finley and Michael Cohen. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Pullbox Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Findlay. I am your other host, Michael Cohen. This is episode number 38 and we are going to be talking today about that uh, classic comic. Uh, is it classic already? I'm not sure. Classic <laughs> enough to have a TV show. Um, it's called Alias and Marvel has retitled it these days, uh, Jessica Jones, a.k.a. Alias. Uh, So it's more recognizable to kind of the mainstream crowd. It's by Brian Michael Bendis with uh, art by Michael Gatos. And it's, uh, if you don't know this already, it's a story of a private investigator named Jessica Jones who has um, a a company, I guess, private investigating company called Alias Investigations. Um, and it's basically that she's hired by people to spy on other people and find out who's cheating on whom and all that kind of stuff. So, but the, the, the little trick here, because it's a Marvel comic, Jessica Jones has superpowers, which she, uh, she doesn't use very often, only if she kind of needs to, um, because she's, she turned away from all of that. Um, the, the, the backstory that we get pretty quick is that, um, she used to be a superhero in the Avengers, um, but then she's, she kind of had enough of that. Um, something happened in her life to turn her away from all of that side of the superhero biz. And she wanted to do this instead. Um, yeah. yeah. And that kind of gets us up to speed. Um, the, the two, there are kind of two main stories in this, um, in this first volume of yeah. Alias that it talks about two of her cases. And the first case deals with, um, Let's see. She she's hired by somebody to t- to spy on, um, uh, I to, guess to it, find a, to find someone's sister. To find yeah, find someone's sister. And she finds the sister, and she finds out that she, the sister has been staying with, or is possibly romantically involved with this guy who she stumbles on, on the secret identity. It happens to be Captain America. Yeah. Um, and now she's faced with the dilemma. I have this footage on tape because she's got a camera there. Um, of Steve Rogers changing into his Captain America costume. Yeah. What do I do with it? And kind of a moral dilemma. Um, and then as the story unfolds, we find out that there is a, a larger picture. Like she was purposely picked for this assignment to figure out that secret in order to yeah. to uh, to expose him. Um, and then the second story, uh, I have to remember, I kind of read this at the beginning of the month here. So I, I just finished it today. So okay. uh, the second story is... Uh, another missing persons case. Oh yeah, and it's the it's uh, a woman comes in and she's a clearly young woman, uh, looking for her husband, um, who it turns out may or may not be a superhero slash sidekick, um, and and uh, that ends up being sort of its own uh, interesting look into her own career as a superhero. Yeah. Um, as well as uh, an interesting mystery story yeah. uh, to boot. So and, and it ends up having its connections into the Avengers as well. Um, I'll just say, the first thing I want to say, 
uh, is for any of you out there who want to have the geek cred points in your next Marvel Comics argument, <laughs> let someone believe that the character Jessica Jones has existed for a really long time. Don't tell them that. Just talk about it in ways that will lead them to say that, to be like, oh yeah, I used to read Jessica Jones comics when I was a little kid. And it's like, no, you didn't, because she didn't exist before 2001. She was right. created for this series. Unless you are only 12, in that case you... No, 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 no but you know, you know what I mean. Yeah, I know I'm what talking, you mean. I'm yeah. talking about 30-plus-year-old hipsters yeah. who want to tell you that, that they've been collecting comics their entire lives and they have yeah. the first appearance of Venom. Uh, and, yep. and, you know, but uh, it's I have it in a safety deposit box, so I can't show it to you. <laughs> um, we're comic book fans. We all have these people in our lives that yep. uh, that try and one-up us with comic book knowledge. Um, and I'll say that to say that, that uh, Bendis does an awesome job of establishing this character as if she has existed right. for decades. Yeah. As if she is another one of the characters that you just don't know about. The, yep. the interesting thing is she's friends with Carol Danvers in the comic. For the TV show, for the Netflix series, they changed that to Wildcat. and yeah. Not Wildcat. Patsy Walker. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Hellcat. Hellcat. Sorry, Hellcat. Wildcat's yeah. from DC. Yeah, Hellcat. Um, and, they, and they changed up actually a lot of her backstory. Yeah. Um, for for the series, uh, it, I in my opinion, for the better. Like they made her a much more rich, complex character. Um, but uh, but but you will come across those people who try and tell you that they've been fans of Jessica Jones for a really long time. <laughs> and I say that because I've had conversations with people where they're like, "Oh yeah, yeah," like especially around when Jessica Jones was was new on Netflix. People being like, oh, yeah, I've been reading Jessica Jones for forever. And it's like, <laughs> I remember back when she was part of the Avengers. And it was like, yeah, now no. reading that, I'm like, no, you no. didn't. Because <laughs> she never was, right? Like, it's it's a weird retcon thing. You also have to keep in mind when you're reading this book that it's 2001. This is not just before the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but I think before a lot of that was even a concept. Yep. Um, the comics now are very reflective of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, they they aren't copying it or or um, adaptations of it or vice versa. It's they are their own versions of the Marvel Universe. Yeah, but it's a weird. One this is very different. The other and the other influences yeah. the other. But yeah, like the the Steve Rogers slash Captain America and his his. Um, secret identity and 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 his secret life as represented in alias do not reflect the current state of marvel comics yeah or even remotely what is in the mcu right yeah right. steve doesn't have a secret identity um, yeah in fact it's i'm kind of wonder how like how that plays into civil war which is coming out next yeah. week we haven't seen that yet um because um the whole the whole thing is that superheroes have to reveal their secret identities, but in the Marvel yeah. Cinematic Universe, no one has secret identities. Yeah, yeah, it 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 is interesting. Like there's a there's a really big difference there, and and that's I think that's one of the biggest reasons why you're going to see differences between this comic and Jessica Jones. Yeah. Um. Uh. They, they're, and obviously, you know, we're not dealing with the Purple Man story which is the story that, that season one of Jessica Jones is very heavily adapted from. Yeah. Although there is a scene 
in the first issue of Alias that is in Jessica Jones. Like with her beginning? And, with her and Luke Cage. Oh, um, well, there's lots of scenes that is in this volume. Like, the, even the opening scene where she throws a guy through the window is yes, that's the true. opening scene of, yes, of that's the also, TV that, show that's well. also true. But, um, the, yeah, her, the moment with, with Luke Cage, and it's actually the, the we only see Luke Cage twice in this first volume. Yeah. Um, and, and at this point now, if you are a fan of the Marvel Universe, you know that Luke Cage and Je- Jessica Jones are an item yeah. in the comics. Um, but when you pop back to this, this being her first uh, appearance, yeah. um, it's Just having on- a one night stand. Yeah. It's only kind of insinuated, um, what their, what their connection is. Yeah. Um, and you find out that actually it's more complicated than it seems, right. but, but that, that first scene of them kind of. The the first scene in in the comic of them together and they sleep together and all that sort of thing is very very much adapted into the series. Uh, the first time that they that they meet, but also those circumstances are very different as well. So right. Um, so if you're looking for a comic book version of of Jessica Jones, that's not really what you're gonna get. Um, you're going back to source material and with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, going back to the source material often means getting very far away from the films that you know and the characters and storylines that you know. Right. Well, and this being the very first appearance of Jessica Jones, yeah. like that's that's going to be understandable because from here her character gets fleshed out and so the movie takes bits and pieces of what makes her great yeah. over the various uh, writers <clears throat> that have handled her. Um, and, and, and can make something that's, uh, really decent or even better than, than yeah. what we re- what we're reading here. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I, I don't know it, how, how much do we want to talk about the story and sort of where the stories go? Cause they are technically mysteries. Uh, they're detective right. mysteries. Well, and yeah, we could talk about that. I mean, I, that's, I really appreciated the fact that, um, that they are, um, kind of hard boiled mysteries like she does detective work she she actually um has to solve these things things don't fall right into her lap and stuff so that that i appreciate and we've talked in the past of how kind of um uh, other things especially that brian michael bendis has written like powers don't do that so it's (laughs) nice to see that he he he's uh learned from that i guess perhaps and and um, yeah for sure and done a better job um this uh i i thought that the both of the mysteries were great. Um, yep. I the, especially the Rick Jones one. Now that I remember it. Yeah. Um, yeah. You didn't mention him by name, but Rick Jones is the guy, the sidekick superhero that uh, that Jessica Jones has to try and find in the second second story. Now, is, is Rick Jones an actual character from the comics? Oh, like, for from sure. The old, old yeah, comics? he's yeah. the reason why the Hulk is the Hulk. Because okay. he's the kid who, in the sixties, who um, was um, in the within the nuclear blast of the, yeah. the test range. And so um, Bruce Banner saved him and he became a Rick Jones, uh, a Hulk sidekick for okay. most of the early years of the Hulk. And then when the Hulk kind of went off on his own, uh, then he became a, um, a sidekick for Captain America. He replaced Bucky. Um, yeah. Cause um, yeah, when uh, he, I don't know, he actually wasn't Bucky. Um, like I think he tried to be Bucky, but Cap was like, "No, you can't be Bucky because Bucky was Bucky. You're not yeah, Bucky." Yeah. Um, and then uh, he's been he's been all sorts of things over the years. He was tied with Captain Marvel at some at some point where yeah. they would exchange consciousness. Um, 
they wore these bands on his arms that transformed his mind into that mind or something like that. And now he is a Hulk. Um, I think they call him A-Bomb or something like that. Um, okay. But yeah, he's he's one of the oldest Marvel, Marvel oh, okay. characters. So, is he A-Bomb? That's interesting. Because um, obviously uh, A-Bomb is in... Um, or is it A-Bomb? No, I, it's... Which what's who's the villain in the Incredible Hulk? That's Abomination. That's Abomination. That's a different different guy. It's different from A Bomb. Yeah, because okay. in the last few years there there are like so many Hulks. General <clears throat> Ross is a Hulk, and yeah. now Rick Jones is a Hulk, and um, so they're all Hulks. I think it's called A Bomb. You can Google that or, or something. Yeah, um, I'm just I'm just gonna look it up. But yeah. but yeah, Rick Jones has been around for a while, so I I liked that that uh, and he never seems to age because he's he was a teenager when he first appeared and i guess he's like a young adult now um but he's always been kind of the sidekick character that's how he's been used throughout the years um so to see kind of him have trying to have a normal life but um freaking out about it was interesting and then they throw the twist in the end that he is actually not rick jones that uh, he's just a rick jones wannabe yeah. um or he has some sort of schizophrenia that is causing him to believe that he is the Rick Jones. Um, but the other Rick Jones is off in outer space doing doing Avengers stuff or something like okay. that. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I just double-checked in. Yeah, he does become A-Bomb. Okay. Um, which I thought A-Bomb and Abomination were, were the same, the same character. Yeah, so. they, you know. um, that's interesting. I, 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 I'm not a Hulk fan, so yeah. it's one of those things where like it's uh, I just kind of peripherally know some Hulk knowledge, right? Yeah, and if you <clears> don't know, like he, he was, uh, and Rick Jones was big in the '60s. Okay, and then the Quas, the not the Quasar, the uh, Captain Marvel thing was in I think the late, maybe it was the '80s. Um, and then, like, he disappears for a while, and then he yeah. comes back because Marvel wants to keep the character in use or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then, yeah, so he's he's running around with Hulks now again. And I'm not a huge Hulk fan either, so I don't keep tabs. But I've read a lot of the old Hulk issues, yeah. so I know the character. Yeah, I think it, it, it um, the, the series does do a really good job of, of leading you down these paths. And really, I think especially with the Rick Jones story in particular... Helping you believe it when Jessica believes it, yeah. So that yeah. you're in her shoes, um, which is which is a really great storytelling device for a mystery to to give you the same uh, sort of red herring clues that Jessica is going to find, <clears throat> and sort of making them appear as as true as possible because right. it is, and especially because it is a comic and you can play with that. You can say that this is Rick Jones, and as long as he has light brown hair <laughs> yeah. and is a young guy, yep. there's nothing to discount that he is or is not Rick Jones, right? right? Um, it's not like when you're dealing with a movie or a TV series where you know if there's a guy that's pretending to be Captain America we can look at it and go, well, that's not Chris Evans. That's right. a guy that looks a lot yeah. like Chris Evans, right? And we can say that's that's definitely not him. Um, but in a comic, because it's a comic and it's an artist's interpretation. and yeah. Well, especially this artist in particular. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, it, so it really, you go down that road with her and you do believe that it's Rick Jones and you do believe that like, okay, so we've gone from the mystery being that this guy is missing to... The fact that this guy is Rick Jones and that he had something to do with the Kree skull 
war. Yeah. And, uh, and, and now there's a bounty, like an intergalactic bounty out on his head. And, uh, and how are we going to solve this problem? And it's going to turn in, not turn into a superhero book necessarily, but like, how do we get from, from knowing this to solving the issue? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and getting, getting the, the Avengers on the job and what it ends up being is that it's all made up and not, well, I mean, it's not all made up. Rick Jones is a real person and it's all, it's all based on real history in the Marvel universe, but that this is not Rick Jones and, yeah. uh, and it ends up not being a problem at all. But, but the fact that Jessica believed it becomes a really important part because yeah. those last two or three pages of her sort of pouring out her heart to a guy that she believes to be in similar circumstances to her yeah. that, that can relate. Uh, it ends up being sort of really important for her character and a really important revelation to, for her to discover that like it helps her realize why she is where she is. Um, and Jessica's a very tortured character. So, um, that that realization is something that you would think would be helpful to her in the long run. So you'd have to read the next volume to find out, right? Right. But um, but yeah, it it does end up even though even though the mystery ends up not being much of a mystery at all, and being about as mundane as it can be, which is a <laughs> crazy person um, lying that they are someone that they're not. Um, it's uh, it 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 still has a, a real important impact on the character and well, on character and development, which is, which is a great way of telling that story. And I like that it was mundane because yeah. that's, uh, well, first of all, we established right at the beginning that her life is mundane. Like yeah. she, this is her job. She doesn't like it. Um, so this is just another instance. So the thing that really drives this book forward is not the, is not the stories, yeah. the mysteries, which are still good. But it is how she responds to them and how she, yeah. like, how it affects her, how she lives her life. Like, it's it's a character-driven book for sure. Yeah. Um, I, um, we can compare this more to Powers because it's Brian Michael Bendis doing kind yeah. of mysteries. Um, did you think that, uh, um, do you see similarities between her character and Christian Walker? Because they're... I find like because they both were like they have the past with the superhero yeah. business. He he does have Bendis does have a a a real thing for that archetype, which is like the the um the retired hero. Yeah. Right. And um, he he's he 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 kind of goes back to it over and over again because I I think he does sort of has like a similar bend uh, bend in uh, in in recent x-men stuff and i uh, just sort of like he likes to play with the idea that these superheroes are real people underneath yeah and was i think one of the first to do that oh for sure um this book was kind of a lead yeah. to, to the marvel universe to doing yeah. all of that yeah which 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 is why earlier when i said that that captain america's secret identity um, it doesn't really mesh with what we believe to be Captain America now because Captain America in 2001, um, I mean, like, we're talking before Winter Soldier, right? Yep. Oh, yeah. It's before Because Winter, Winter Soldier is, like, 2006, 
I think. I'm pretty sure the, the Ed Brubaker yeah. story is 2000, we, which we've already covered on the podcast. Right. Um, and so, like, that that's really the, the one that establishes the modern Captain America. So what you're dealing with here in, in this version is um, a reaction, I think, to the Captain America of the late 90s. Right. During the, the Heroes Reborn yep, era. Yep, that's what which is, yeah. Which was a very childish two-dimensional version of the character um even more so i would say than his original incarnation because his original incarnation was meant as as a a symbol and was important in that respect but somewhere along the way i america sort of like lost sight of that stuff and he just became a bubblegum superhero just like everybody else right and he stopped right. really meaning anything well in I, sort of the 80s and the 90s in the midst of commercialism and that sort of thing right yeah um, i think that was just a, definitely society's um where society was at that yeah. time and, and the state of Mar- marvel comics was nothing special in the in the 90s as For well sure. with all of their extreme characters and, yeah. and stuff and so if have captain america fit in that world of yeah you know this was the beginning of Ultraviolence with the Punisher and yeah. X Force Cable and all of yeah. that Deadpool and stuff. Yeah, and this is just before Ultimate Spider Man, or just around the same time as Ultimate Spider Man becoming right. a thing. So, well, because that was Bendis, yeah, yeah. So you've got Ultimate Spider Man and and Ultimate X Men being the first books, and then eventually you get to the Ultimates and that sort of thing. But that's it's a little bit further down the road, and that that around the same time as as the Brubaker stuff. And it sort of started to change the 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 way that you look at at uh, superhero comics, in particular Marvel's superhero comics, because I think that DC kind of went a different direction and made their stuff much more iconic and much less grounded. Um, getting into stuff like Fifty Two and that sort of thing. Yeah. But but Alias uh, is I think. And it's because it's 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 Marvel Max, right? So it's it's um, it's part of that that imprint, which is Marvel Max is is similar to um, was it Marvel Knights? Marvel right. Knights is a few years earlier. Yeah, I think this is um, kind of an, uh, a continuation on that, like yeah. that the Marvel Knights started doing more realistic, more grounded, yeah. more human yeah. taste. Which the the Daredevil book that we read a yeah. few months back was a Marvel Knights book, and that's from about yeah. nineteen ninety eight. And so Marvel <clears throat> Max um, wanted to do the same thing, except yeah. this is basically um, they they allowed themselves to. Um, have explicit content, so yeah. there's lots of swearing in. This oh, there's book. tons of swearing, and yeah. um, which is uh, which is funny because the Netflix show doesn't have that same sort of swearing. So yeah, it was kind of weird, but uh, um, and you know the 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 lines in um uh, concerning violence and nudity were were a lot more lax compared to your yeah. regular Spider-Man books. So yeah, um, it opened a door for Marvel to to go down a much darker path, yeah. which they they did eventually. Um, this was the first Max book, and then a Punisher one, I think, followed that, yeah. and that kind of thing. And, yeah. Um, yeah, the Marvel Universe changed because, I think, because of Alias, because of yeah. this book here, um, because because of the human side to things that we yeah. talked about already, and because of the, the more mature <laughs> themes. Well, People yeah. were hungry for it. Yeah. I, I think that, that Alias marks... 
the beginning of, of the concept of the street level superhero. Yeah. Right. Um, it's obviously something that had been in comics for a very long time, but going back, I mean, cause we're talking, when we say Marvel heroes reborn, that is four or five years before the, not even like, like probably even less than that. Right. Yeah. It was like 97 or 98. Yeah. Think, so yeah. we're not very far removed from that era. And that was an era when much like back in the, in the eighties, um, in the sort of like the early eighties, the late seventies, early eighties, everybody was involved in huge cosmic events, yeah. right? Like secret war yeah. and stuff like that. So with heroes were born, you had characters like the fantastic four fighting alongside daredevil, right? Right. In these stories, which doesn't make any sense because daredevil as a character, uh, that doesn't we go know, to outer space. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not, that's not where his utility is. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and so Alias really, really establishes that, that that Jessica Jones is a different kind of superhero, even though she doesn't get into superheroics, uh, you know, a la the 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 tights and the the theatrics of it. She is engaged in superheroics because she is dealing with, um, she's dealing with people's problems. But she, and she does have to use her powers from time to time, yeah. reluctantly. But she does use them. But but it is in service to the common person, right? And I think that a book like this helped to establish that idea that characters like Daredevil, characters like uh, Luke Cage, who is in this, um, and and Spider Man are what we consider street level heroes, right. who are out there. They're the ones rescuing cats from trees and yeah. stopping muggers. Spider-Man's kind of getting away from that. He's, yeah, well, I mean, Peter Parker's Spider-Man has. Yeah, Miles but, Morales. But Miles Morales is, that, is filling yeah. in that role, right? Um, and, and and uh, you know, you leave the, you leave battling Thanos to the Guardians of the Galaxy and the Avengers, right? So, yeah. um, it, it does, I think, I think Alias should take a lot of the credit and deserves a lot of the credit for creating that, that dichotomy within the Marvel universe and really defining those two worlds and that, that, that Marvel can simultaneously exist as global or in some cases, galactic, um, crazy events. But then, you know, there's it's still Marvel, which I've always considered to be the more grounded, more realistic, more scientifically based yeah. of of the the two major comics publishers, the two major superhero uh, uh, labels, right between them and DC. DC being much more of the the crazy galactic cosmic. Well, when your lead character, uh, your most iconic character yeah. is an alien, yeah, that's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, for, for sure. sure. Yeah, I see this as kind of being um, for myself. I really like liked this. However, I never, re- I never finished reading the the series, yeah. so it was uh, it's weird that way. Um, but I do really like this, so maybe I'll I'll check out the rest of them. You'll but it also it. kind of is a sign of when I stopped reading Marvel comics. Yeah. Because and we've talked, I've talked about this on the podcast yeah. before. How I I'm just not really a fan of how moody things are in the Marvel universe sure. these days. Sure. How how dark and how not quote-unquote not fun it is i mean sure there are books like squirrel girl and yeah. the duck or whatever but overall um it's not the same marvel universe oh yeah for sure, for sure. um 
and this is kind of right at that at that crux and i i kind of stopped reading it especially when brian michael bendis then he because of this book got uh got the privilege of writing avengers and mm. then that's when disassembled started and that snowballed into everything the marvel universe is now yeah. um see now marvel uh sorry avengers disassembled would be basically the first avengers book that i've read oh really um yeah, because I, I read Sonic the Hedgehog comic books, right. right? Yeah. And then I went from Sonic to things like Crimson and uh, and and Danger Girl. So like, there's a the all of my Marvel and DC knowledge comes from uh, cartoon series. Yeah. And then uh, the reading that I've done in the last ten years. So, <laughs> um, kind so of the opposite side of things. Yeah. So for me. Um, I look at something like Avengers Disassembled, and uh, and and I quite enjoy Disassembled. Um, yeah, you know, and I did too. Um, but then I kept on. Then it just kept on extending and extending, sure. and the story never wrapped up because it would just become another big event that tied it into everything. I, I do. Yeah, did. I do. Um, my biggest gripe with modern comics is the event uh, cycle, which is that every summer we have another big event. And, um, and, and, you know, the, the status quo gets shifted every two years. Yeah. And man, uh, this summer is Civil War 2. Like, yeah. It's <laughs> Civil War 2. And I just, I'm, yeah, yeah. not interested. Um, yeah. Which like, I'm not, I'm not paying attention to any of it at the moment. So I don't even know what it's about. No, neither do um, I. What the, what the crux of it is, but you know, it's just a, it's, it's really honestly just an attempt to tie into the the movie yeah, obviously <clears throat> but um which they have to do because that's that's the business right and at the end of the day uh, it's this is one of the things that that I always find funny with people with comics is that you know the, the it is a business it yes it's art um but if you think comic books are any different than movies or tv <laughs> then no, you're it's a franchise yeah it's a franchise yeah. and if i want to read um comics as art then i'm yeah. gonna you know i'm gonna go read love and rockets or whatever like it's it's uh there are other avenues for yeah that. and that's yeah. what i do read in fact that's exactly. that's what i prefer to read yeah um i do still enjoy marvel and and dc, and DC. i i don't usually yeah. pick up the new stuff but i've been buying those epic collections and they are just fantastic um because it's that's just the old stuff yeah. That I totally enjoy. So, yeah. you know, the Marvel Universe hasn't been ruined. It's just different. It's, yeah. And it's not... And I can still visit the parts that I enjoy. So, that's the yeah. beauty about the books. You know, yeah. That, that I think, is one of the most important things that I think that people need to keep in mind. We've got a Ghostbusters reboot coming out this summer that, um, you know, regardless of how you feel about it, is very different yep. from the original source material the the first movie and yeah. even the animated series totally. right which well which is also very different than the movies <laughs> which is also very different from the movies but 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 you know similar in 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 the right ways right yeah um and we say as fans of the original <laughs> totally. ghostbusters right yeah. but um just because the new one's different and whether it's good or bad is irrelevant the original Ghostbusters is always still there to go to. Totally. So even though a book like Alias can come in, and and this is one of my things with it, um, I I really enjoyed the stories. I don't enjoy the characterization of Steve Rogers or Captain America. Right. In it, um, it's it, his 
his secret identity is played off as being something seedy and almost like dishonest, huh. which which bugs me because he's Captain because, America, yeah, right? <laughs> right? But but like I was saying earlier, sort of trying to put it in perspective and context for everybody, his secret identity was null and void for a very long time because the comics just got silly, right? Fighting right. onslaught and then Heroes Reborn and all of that stuff. It just got Marvel got silly with their stuff. Um and Cap was one of the characters that got about as silly as you can get. Um, just sort of becoming a, a, a Superman-esque yeah. type character, even though that's not the scale that, that that character should be on. Right. Um, and then, and then you jump from that to now with, with, uh, you know, post Brubaker's Winter Soldier and, uh, and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I obviously Chris Evans has done a lot to redefine that character and really give Steve Rogers uh, an identity outside of Captain America that informs the character of Captain America. It's difficult to go back and read something like this and have Cap come off as kind of a little tiny bit sleazy. Yeah, it's not. It's not like he comes off as like a bad guy or anything like that. But <clears throat> Cap sort of beyond reproach. And it's one of the things that makes his character work in that universe is that um, it's the idea that that his uh, his powers don't make him who he is. Who he is makes him powerful, right? Right? Because you give those powers to anybody else, and it can go horribly wrong. Yeah. But, yeah. But because he's Captain it's America, his morals and his standards. Yeah. It's yeah. It, which is very similar to Superman, but. Um, like that that is one of the things that makes him a love-hate character right it's one of the reasons why civil war is going to be so great so to play him off as this kind of one-dimensional um i don't know average joe that then puts on a silly star-spangled outfit and you know like it's almost the the superhero thing and this is a theme that's also in powers which is really interesting um, the superhero thing is almost treated as a perversion or a kink. <laughs> and yeah. that, that aspect of it, I mean, it gets brought up constantly in this book and it got brought up in powers as well, that there are people who chase capes. Yeah. Right. Um, and that, I don't want to imply too much on this. But it seems like Bendis is trying to communicate something that he feels. Because I don't necessarily think of that when I think of superheroes. <laughs> but Bendis goes back to it over and over and over again in a lot of his work. He keeps revisiting it. And that's um, really interesting that you say that now. Because we, um, since Alias, yeah. like Comic-Con has exploded. And yes. we see the, the whole cosplay thing. And yep. like that. Absolutely. That's the fetish. Yeah. Right there. Which... which this is the only thing I'll ever give Frank Miller credit for. He predicted back in the eighties with the dark Knight returns. Yeah. Because one of the themes in that was that when they outlawed superheroes, people basically infantilized the idea of superheroes and started making superheroes icons into fashion statements. (laughs) And so you get like all the girls in the skimpy outfits with Batgirl with Batman logos all over them and, and that sort of thing. And, um, and it's funny because that is actually where we've gotten to now. Yep. Um, and that was a, 
in Frank Miller's opinion, a post-apocalyptic <laughs> future, sort of uh, not, but like a, but like a dark, gritty totally. cyberpunk yeah. future. So, um, yeah, it, that is the world that we live in now, right? It is. And and uh, and and it absolutely has been sort of fetishized in that way because yep. uh, because it's part of culture, so it's going to be. But it's just very interesting that he bangs that drum repeatedly yeah, right yeah. Um, and in a very specific way not in a thematic or tonal way but like he often has a character rant about it in his well, books even though i'm just thinking now because because yeah. now i'm i'm going back through the books the My- brian michael bennett's books that i've read is even in spider-man yep when spider-man first reveals his identity to mary jane yep um that's the my favorite issue of that series because it just takes place in his bedroom and they just have a conversation mm. about the secret identity in one full issue. That's all it is. Um, and it's great just dialogue. Yeah. Um, but her reaction is that it's a turn on for her because now she knows he's Superman. So I just like, wow, that, that does yeah, come yeah, up yeah, over yeah. and over again, yeah. isn't it? Doesn't yeah. It? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. He, he has a thing for it and I, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to imply or read into it too much, but he, like that's that is a bone that he chooses to gnaw uh, yeah. on repeatedly. So, um, just just so an interesting aspect the, of his um, work. The new Captain America, yeah, who's Sam Wilson, is yes. his secret identity a secret or is it public? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I haven't. That's read a, any that's of a that. good. That's a good question. I haven't read it either. Um, yeah, yeah. That's 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 a good question. That's really interesting. Um, well, I don't know. I don't think so because nobody really has secret identity. Well, I, I shouldn't say that. Lots of characters still have secret identities. Like Spider-Man has his again. Really? Um, well, because he made his deal with Mephisto and oh yeah, turn back day, time yeah. and brand new day, right? In order to save so him, he still has that yeah. secret. Yeah, because when after for those who don't know, after Civil War, because Spider-Man unmasked in Civil War, and yeah. after Civil War, um, I don't remember who it was, but somebody put out a hit on. Peter Parker, knowing that he's Spider-Man, and Aunt May gets in the way and dies, yeah, and right. then Peter makes a deal with Mephisto, who is essentially the devil in the Marvel Universe, and uh, and turns back time. And in the process, the the price is Mary Jane. Um, that in order to do that, like he ends up losing Mary Jane as his yeah. wife and all that sort of thing, and they still haven't resolved that. He's not back with Mary Jane. Yeah, that's actually pretty surprising. It's been it's been a very long time, and they haven't even gotten anybody new in his life or anything like that. And is no, it, he's um, kind of he's well. I mean, he wasn't even Peter Parker for a long time, right? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, for a yeah, whole year. Yeah. But um, that's Marvel. That's the Marvel Comics universe in yeah. a nutshell right now. All really? all sort of spinning out of Alias. So um, hey, um, since you haven't read yeah um, any real Avengers or anything like that before the last ten years or so, did you yeah. do you know? Um, what Steve Rogers' day job was when he was not Captain America. Because he wasn't, like, Avengers weren't associated with S.H.I.E.L.D. That yeah. was not his full-time job. When he wasn't Captain America, do you know what he did? I have no idea. He's a graphic illustrator. For was magazine. he? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Um, I can relate. He I can relate. That's yeah. why That's why Kyle Rayner is my favorite Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. Because he's a graphic he's, designer, yeah, right. right? So I'm like, yeah, like he's an illustrator and graphic designer. So. Yeah. Um, that's sort of like the perfect, you know, like, like, it, and, and the <laughs> reason why he is, is because then like how, who would be better to create constructs, right? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Hal Jordan actually least qualified. Least qualified of all of the Green Lanterns, of all of Earth's Green Lanterns. Yeah, he kind of just happened to be right place, right time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, um, but John Stewart and Kyle Rayner definitely... Actually, maybe Guy Gardner's the least qualified. But, because <laughs> uh, Guy's not really qualified for anything. But, uh, yeah. Comics. Yeah, there's, there you go. There's silliness all over the place. Wow. Uh, but there Alias was awesome. I thought it was great. My only gripe with the comic was... Uh, I mean, other like I, I've, I can pick at that Captain America thing, but in perspective, sort of, it, it, it's fine with historical context. It's, it's, right. it is what it is. Um, it definitely wouldn't have been written that way today. Right. I don't think it would have been Cap. I think it would have been a different character, <clears throat> um, a different Avenger. But I, uh, my only gripe is the art, which I think is is less than ideal. Oh yeah. In a lot of senses, yeah. A lot of the characters have the same sort of look. Everybody's right. really ugly, and um, uh, it, it, you know what it is? It's it's to me, it's kind of the uh, the the bastard child of uh, Frank Miller and and John Romita. <laughs> uh, it's just got like it has. Wait, John Romita J- Junior, Junior, you mean Junior. right? Yeah, sorry, John Romita is Junior. like he's the best. yeah yeah yeah. Of course, Senior is <laughs> the best, but no Junior. Um, yeah, yeah it's sort of it's that. sort of like all of that gross, sketchy laziness of Frank Miller, um, and, and the blockiness of Frank Miller. Well, at least combined, this person gets his perspectives. <laughs> that's true. Combined with the um, the very static, uninteresting poses of John Romita Jr. So I think um, <clears throat> part of the the issue there is that. This artist uses uh, photographs for everything. There you go. So there's your stiff, unnatural yeah. poses. Yeah. Um, and but I think I, I like the just the thick, thick brushwork that he does because I think it fits this, yeah. the noir style that they're trying to go for. Um, so there's that side of thing. I uh, do. Yeah. The, the, I mean the the lighting and composition of it is is decent. I just think that just, there's yeah. a lot of. Um, well, and all their faces look Slocking the same, ends, and yeah. just, there's too many lines on their faces. We didn't. You were flipping yeah. through that. We didn't even talk about the fact that Daredevil Matt Murdock shows up in this book, right? Um, which, uh, if if you don't read this book and think that that's gonna come at some point, I in, was so expecting Matt Murdock to show up in, in Jessica in Jones, but we instead one. we got Foggy involved in whatever, I can't remember Carrie Fisher's name, uh, her character, in Daredevil Season 2. Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Carrie, Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah. Carrie Fisher, why Carrie did Fisher. I say that? Yeah, no, yeah. Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, so yeah. we got I, that, uh, I can see where they'll cross over eventually. Yeah, yeah, so Fo- Foggy's going to make a make a transition onto Season 2 of Jessica Jones, obviously. Uh, if, if Well, it's kind of a spoiler for the end of Daredevil Season 2, but... Um, yeah, yeah everybody hasn't watched that Everybody's yet. had time. Anybody who cares has had time. <laughs> Um, I mean, I watched it in one weekend, yeah. so, you know, um, yeah, I, I, let's move on. Yeah. We can go round and round in circles with Marvel these days. Um, um, the next comics that we're going to be talking about yep. in, in future episodes include Wild's End from Boom Studios and, um, and the new Archie comics, um, Ar- all new Archie, uh, volume one. So pay <laughs> attention to those ones. Yeah. We'll see what we have to say. Um, uh, what are we talking about next month, Mike? Uh, well, next month, my poll is, uh, you know, it's been a little while since Superman, and I think the last thing was Red Sun. Yep. So, uh, let's, 
let's jump back to uh, instant classic Superman because it's actually not that old. But we're going to read both volumes of, of All-Star Superman by Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely. Um, this is one of those books, and you guys hear me talk about this a lot on the podcast. We've already covered one of them, which was Superman for All Seasons. This is another one of those books. Um, and you can actually find it in one collected uh, volume as well, um, with both Volume 1 and 2 together. Uh, but this is one of those ones that's definitive Superman. So uh, if you are a person who says, I don't like Superman, I'm not into Superman, um, he's too powerful, his stories <laughs> are uninteresting, then uh, then read along with us, because I think that this will change your tune. You'll see just how interesting uh, a god can be. And and how fascinating his stories get when um, when they're in the hands of the I don't, I don't know I think probably the best living comic book writer uh, uh, oh, de- yeah? definitely the best of his of his era. of his generation yeah um, yeah because yeah. what hasn't Grant Morrison touched that everybody turns around and goes I never thought about those characters that way <laughs> and then it redefined them for the future you know well um, did not not that not that Superman continues to be this redefinition but right. um, well we'll uh, talk we talk about yeah. more about that because uh, yeah there are there it, are comics that Grant yeah. Morrison has done that haven't been oh sure they, he, not everything yeah. he's done has been awesome yeah. but but he's done some really important work this being. Um, some of it. So. Right. And Frank Quitely, how you can't argue with Frank Quitely drawing Superman. So yeah. Okay. Well, well and I'm picking. I'm going to go for um, manga this week or this month. I'm going to yep. choose a book called Ikigami, The Ultimate Limit, and we'll just read the first volume. So an Ikigami is a notice that you get that lets you know that you have 24 hours to live. Okay. So this is a oh, this is a future oh, tale. Japan. This is a future tale where um, everybody, when they're born, gets yeah. implanted with a a little death chip to control the population because it's under control, out of control. Um, and so, at some point, by random lottery, yeah, somebody is going to be chosen to die. Okay. Um, and then they have they get served the notice. They have twenty four hours to make amends. This book deals with. The um, what do people do during those twenty four hours? Okay. How do they cope with the news? What decisions do they make? Who do they talk to? That kind of thing. So, um, it's a, it, it's going to be interesting. I think. Cool. There we go. Cool. Exciting. And uh, and our reader poll is going to be two, volume one, and that's a Vertigo title, right? Yep. And um, by John Layman, and I don't know who draws it. Maybe he draws it himself, but. Um, that, and that's our reader poll. Who's that suggested by? Uh, by Courtney. That's from that comes from Courtney Shrum. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I really that one of those the double X files for those who don't know. Nice. I don't know anything about Chew except that people are speak really highly about it. Yeah, so um, I, I check it out. I have read it. I've read the first four volumes, and uh, and Chew is uh, unique. <laughs> unique. Awesome. Well, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Well, I think we have three good picks this month. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. It's going to be a good month, but. Uh, <clears throat> that does it for this this episode. Sure does. So we'll catch you on the next one, yeah. uh, where we'll be talking about uh, Wild's End. Wild's End, sure. sure. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> cool. Great. Keep reading comics. For more Pullbox Podcast episodes, you can check out pullboxpodcast.com to submit a reader poll. Uh, you can email thepullboxpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us at Twitter and on Instagram at Pullbox Podcast. And you 
can follow me, Curtis, on Instagram at Curtis Bidley. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at ArkWolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can you can also find all of our other great podcasts over at thunderquack.com, and uh, that's the home of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, of which we are proudly a part. And uh, and if you want to help support all of our podcasts at Thunderquack, you can do that by heading to Patreon.com/thunderquack, and uh, and and you can you can pledge your support over there. Every dollar helps. But uh, if you're a Pullbox fan and supporter, then you'd definitely be interested in the $20 level, which allows you to get all three episodes of the Pullbox podcast, all three of our books, as one super long episode uh, right at the beginning of the month, as opposed to having to wait for the individual episodes to be released. So you can find all that at patreon.com slash thunderquack and all of our other podcasts at thunderquack.com.